Hi there, folks. Thank you for tuning in. This is E Pluribus Unum, a podcast just trying to bring people together. Today is National Education and Sharing Day. This day was first enacted in 1978 by Jimmy Carter, and every year since then, it is re-signed into existence by the sitting president. Both Republicans and Democrats have signed proclamations for it, which is amazing and beautiful. It's a day about education and sharing, and it is not partisan. The date switches every year on the English calendar. This year, it happens to be March 23rd. It stays the same on the Hebrew calendar. It is always the 11th of Nisan, which is the birth date of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, for whom this day was enacted. Who was the Lubavitcher Rebbe? If you're unfamiliar with Judaism, you might at least have heard that there's different groups known as Reform, Conservative, and Orthodox, different levels of different ways of connecting to God and to Judaism. Within Orthodox, there are even more branches and specific traditions. One of these specific traditions is called Chabad, and there are adherents to it around the world. And with a lot of these different branches, there is a, a leader to whom people come when they have questions and who leads that generation in Judaism and morality. It's sort of like the Pope, but for these specific branches of orthodoxy. The seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe was Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, and he was the leader of this group called Chabad from 1950 until 1994 when he passed away. He was an incredible human. Every once in a while, there are incredible people on this earth. Men, women, young, old, different religions, different races. Some people are just outstanding. He was one of those people who, he was learned, but not just in Jewish concepts and Talmud and tradition and rules and values, but also in the sciences and in languages. He spoke with politicians and dignitaries, but he also spoke with schoolgirls boys about to have their bar mitzvahs, people getting married, because he wasn't just an incredibly intelligent person. He was also kindness beyond kind, and he cared about every single person, and not just every single Jew, every single person. He hoped for the best for each person. He wanted each person to share their unique talents with the world and to be the best possible version of themselves. He was really an incredible person. Education was particularly important to him, and not strictly reading, writing, arithmetic type of education, but also character development. He was committed to the idea that education must pay more attention, indeed the main attention, to the building of character with emphasis on moral and ethical values. So this day, National Education and Sharing Day, is proclaimed every year on his birthday to recognize the amazing work that he did in in helping to establish centers of learning. There are Chabad centers all over the world, where Jews can learn more about their heritage, non-Jews can learn more about Judaism, young people can go, adults, people who are retired, college students, everyone can go and learn. I really can't give the full scope of the kind of person he is. I highly recommend reading the book Rebbe by Joseph Telushkin. Even that book is just a sampling of some of the many incredible stories and incredible incidents that the Rebbe was involved in. And he really is a fascinating person and a model for all of us, possibly unattainable for any of us, but really an incredible person. Chabad in particular is a branch of Judaism which focuses on inclusivity and doing things with joy. And it has had a very deep impact on my life and how I see the world and interact with others. It's very 
name, Chabad, is actually an acronym in Hebrew for three words, Chachma, Bina, and Da'at, which stand for wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So you can see even just from the name how important education is. It's central to Chabad, and it was really central to the Rebbe. It's actually really amazing that this day is recognized every year by presidents, again, both Democrat and Republican, who both have lovely things to say and who all find this day an important tradition to continue because education and moral education is and should be a focus. I'm just going to read what our most recent presidents have said on this day. First, President Obama from 2013 said, quote, Few have better understood or more successfully promoted these ideas than Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who emphasized the importance of education and good character. Through the establishment of educational and social service institutions across the country and the world, Rabbi Schneerson sought to empower young people and inspire individuals of all ages. On this day, we raise his call anew, end quote. And from President Trump from 2020, quote, Knowledge inspired by unwavering virtue and commitment to faith were central to the Lubavitcher Rebbe's life and mission. When put into practice, these values empower people of all ages to fulfill their unique purpose and in turn to enhance and enrich our great nation. On this day, let us acknowledge that each person has a unique purpose that can be unleashed through an individual, whole-of-person approach to education, and let us renew our commitment to supporting education as a means by which individuals may grow their gifts, develop their talents, and fulfill their God-given potential. End quote. As you know, I really like these national holidays, these little-known national holidays. Sometimes they're just a springboard for conversation. This one is not really a springboard for conversation. I just wanted to bring it to your attention because I wanted to bring the Rebbe to your attention because he truly is was an incredibly fascinating, generous, kind, outstanding individual. And I think it's pretty neat that there's a national holiday in his honor. It does loosely tie in to what I wanted to talk about for the rest of today's episode. This coming weekend begins Passover, which is a Jewish holiday celebrating the exodus from Egypt. It's actually the most celebrated Jewish holiday, more than Hanukkah, more than Yom Kippur, more than Rosh Hashanah. People, Jews, well, and non-Jews actually, around the world celebrate Passover. It's a Jewish holiday, but there are a lot of non-Jews who also, I should say Christians, really, who connect to their faith also through Passover because it was a Passover Seder, which was Jesus's last supper. Easter always falls around Passover for that reason. So it's a very important holiday for both religions. And actually the focus of both today's podcast and Friday's podcast is going to be Passover. But today I'm going to talk a little bit more about some topical implications of Passover and what it means for us, not just Jews, but for everyone today and lessons we can learn for it. And then on Friday, I'm going to talk about some of the specific things that we do on Passover. It's a very particular holiday with a lot of customs and traditions and commandments. So that will be Friday. But today I'm going to focus on the story of the Exodus and the importance of history. As I said, Passover is a holiday that celebrates the Exodus from Egypt. The Jews were slaves in Egypt, and then God freed us. And I say us very deliberately. There is a passage in the Talmud which enjoins every single Jew to regard him or herself as if he or she had personally come out of Egypt. What does it mean to 
What does it mean that each of us must regard ourselves as having been brought out of Egypt? Well, there are a few interesting concepts here. The first is that we as Jews are so connected to our past. We talk about it. We feel it. We live it. It's not just reading dates in history. There is an emotional attachment to our past. Certainly our recent past, which in which the Holocaust unfortunately looms so large that even for people who didn't have a grandparent or a family member go through it, there is still a connection, but even to our distant past. And the reason is because we talk about it all the time. A few weeks ago was Purim. That was another holiday where we celebrated something ultimately positive that happened in our past. Hanukkah also celebrates something about our past. The exodus from Egypt is specifically celebrated on Passover, but it is mentioned in prayers throughout the day. It features in the first few books of Exodus from the five books of the Torah. It's constantly there. We're aware of it. And these Jewish Israelite ancestors from thousands of years ago don't feel so distant because we talk about them all the time. When the Talmud tells us to regard it as if we ourselves had been slaves in Egypt and then freed, not exactly doing an acting exercise where I sit and close my eyes and imagine exactly what it would be like to be a slave. Though, maybe I should. That might really put me into a place of understanding how awful slavery is. All of us understand it on an intellectual level, but unless we've been through it, we can't truly appreciate it or understand it. But even just to say the words and repeat it every year and in prayers throughout the year, I don't have to know exactly what it feels like to be a slave to understand the importance of considering myself as having been there. Because the importance of it is being grateful for the freedom that I currently have and being grateful to God and recognizing what could be and how lucky I am to live free instead of to be living as a slave. And that's why it's so important to be connected to our past, because when we understand the past where we've been as individuals and as a community, we can better appreciate where we are now. And when I say appreciate, that doesn't necessarily mean to be grateful for. I just mean to understand and acknowledge and be aware of why where I am now was affected by the past. As Jews, we are connected to all parts of our past, good and bad. And good that we have done, bad that we have done. Good that has been done to us, bad that has been done to us. The Torah does not sugarcoat how the Jews acted in the desert. And we don't sugarcoat our history. We are very aware of the good and the bad. If you think of some of the bad that's happened to us, I mean, this one is so easy. Anyone could mention the Holocaust. Plenty of people probably know the expulsion from Spain. Maybe the expulsion from England. There have been so many expulsions over the years by various religions and countries that to say the full list here would take up the rest of the podcast. But just for a quick greatest hits list, we have been exiled by the Persians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Greeks, the Spanish, the English, the Germans, the Italians, the French, the Romans, and Muhammad himself. So a lot of bad has been done to us. But we also talk about the good that's been done to us. Think of Schindler's List. Jews know the name of Oscar Schindler, who was not Jewish, but who did good to Jews. There's also Raoul Wallenberg, Wallenberg? who similarly risked his life and ultimately was murdered by the communists, but also saved a bunch of Jews during the Holocaust. There's also a Chinese diplomat, Feng Shanho, also 
who took it upon himself to save Jews during the Holocaust. There was the Kinder Transport, which transported children to England. So we talk about the bad done to us, but we also talk about the good, and we're grateful. We also talk about the bad and good that we've done. And this is straight from the Torah. A few weeks ago, there was a sin of the golden calf, which was like the worst sin the Jews could do. It was so briefly after receiving the Torah, and then they created an idol, which is one of the biggest no-nos. We do not create idols. We do not bow down to other gods. Then there was the sin of the 10 spies who went into Israel to see what it looked like and then came back and gave a negative report. These are in the Torah. These are big, important stories in the Torah. There are also good stories in the Torah. We learn about the wisdom of Solomon, the kindness of Abraham, the strong leadership of Moses. The point is that we're connected to our past, the good and the bad. We don't cover up the bad. We don't over-exaggerate the good. It's all there. We know it. We know it from the time that we're in preschool and our teachers teach us about the binding of Isaac and the flood, Adam and Eve eating the fruit from the tree. We know that we've done bad and we also know that there are good things. And because of this, because we're so connected to our history, we can be free. I love this from the Baal Shem Tov. Forgetfulness leads to exile while remembrance is the secret of redemption. If we don't know where we've come from, how can we understand where we are or where we're going? When we understand our past, and I'm talking about communal past, but also personal past, when we understand what we've done in our individual lives that hurt us or hurt others or stupid things that we've done or smart things that we've done, when we understand where we've come from, then we can forge a more positive future. When we forget our history, we're doomed to repeat the same mistakes. And we don't have to. We don't have to work so hard because we already know the answers. If we look to our history, we already know the answers. We know the right way, either by doing what people in the past did or doing the exact opposite. But the answers are there for us when we know our history. But when we forget our history, we're making life so much harder for ourselves because we're figuring out each problem again. There's also a lot of ego involved in forgetting history because there is an implication that we don't need to know what came before us, that we're smarter than everyone who came before and we can figure things out better and everything they did was wrong. Not everything people did in the past was wrong. A lot of what people did in the past was wrong, but not all of it. And we can learn from them. There has been greatness before us and there will be greatness after us. But the only way that there will be greatness after us is if people learn and know where we're going and take the lessons from the history and apply it to our own lives. And I am talking about personal history here, but I'm also talking about communal history. The way that people today are so quick to dismiss those from our past, and I'm talking American past right now, we're so quick to dismiss people from our past who had faults. Think of all of the founders who owned slaves. Was owning slaves a fault? Yes. Slavery is bad. It was a bad thing that those people owned slaves, but it was not the fullness of who they were. And when we throw out someone because of the bad things they've done, we miss out on the good. Yes, Moses sinned. He hit the rock and he wasn't allowed to go into Israel. This was the leader of the Jews. He brought them out of Egypt. He brought them through the desert for 40 years and he sinned. He could have been remembered as that guy who sinned and didn't get to go into Israel. But we don't just remember him for that. We remember him for all the good that he also did. And we also recognize that he made a mistake. It's not one or the other. In the Torah, we get both. In Judaism, we get both. We get to see the good things that people did and the bad things that people did. And we get to learn from both. We learn from the good. We learn from Abraham's kindness. 
that we should be kind to guests and that we should run to help them and give them food and take off their coats. And we learn from Jacob, who favored his son Joseph, not to favor our kids. That was a bad thing that Jacob did. Even though he loved Joseph the most, he shouldn't have made it obvious to the rest of his kids. He alienated his children from each other. He alienated his children from himself. That was a bad thing to do. But we still consider Jacob great. In fact, one of the terms for Jews is B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel. Israel was Jacob's other name. History is beautiful and bumpy, and there are some amazing standouts, and there are some horrible lows. As Jews, we are so lucky because we are connected to it all, and we live it all, and we feel it. And every year at the Seder, which I'll talk about on Friday, there are so many specific things that we do to remember the good things about the Exodus, and also the bad things about the Exodus, and the bad things about slavery. And we live in it, and we feel in it, and we discuss it. And because we understand it and appreciate it, we're still here. Have you met any Babylonians or Assyrians recently? I haven't. We're connected to our history. And because we're connected, we can survive because we have, it's not just connecting us to each other. It's, it grounds us in the world because we don't have to be afraid every time there's a war or a famine or climate change or a plague. We've seen it all. We know this happens, but we also know that there are ways to get through it. As a nation, we got through slavery. We got through plagues after the sin of the golden calf. We've seen it all, and we're still here, and we will continue to be here because we're connected to our past. Dennis Prager advocates for a Seder-type celebration for Americans on July 4th because he understands how important it is for people to connect to their past. How amazing would it be if on July 4th, in addition to having barbecues and enjoying summer, we all sat around and talked about George Washington, and we talked about his bravery and his intelligence in war. And we talk about Thomas Jefferson's beautiful words in the Declaration of Independence and the back and forth fighting over the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and how Jefferson wanted to put in something about abolishing slavery in the Declaration, but they wouldn't let him. What if we talked about all that? Do you think that would make us more divided? Or would it make us maybe a little bit more united? Would we understand each other better? Do you think maybe it would help us understand where we are now? Do you think it might help us understand where we want to be as a nation? Would it help us figure out what's important to us and what we want to bring back and what we want to change? How can we know what we want to change if we don't really know what things were? I actually think a Passover Seder or some type of Seder celebration would be incredible for the Black community. Someone pointed this out to me recently, and I think it's very interesting. Jews were slaves, but we were brought out of the country where we were slaves. We didn't have to stay in it. There are many black people who were slaves in the United States, or who are descendants of slaves in the United States, and they're still in the United States. So there might be a different feeling towards the United States, and it's a little bit more recent, yes, than the slavery in Egypt. I don't have antipathy towards Egypt, though when I hear Egypt, I do think of Passover but I might go see the pyramids someday. But there is a unique, there's a difference between the Jews and the black community in that way, of course. But even though many blacks didn't leave the country, they were able to go to parts of the country where there wasn't slavery. They went north and they went west. So in a way, there was an exodus. And in fact, a lot of the imagery and songs from the era of slavery, think of the song, Go Down Moses. They were learning Christianity when they were here in the U.S., Many of the songs they sang and the story that they connected with was the idea of the Exodus. The Jews were brought out of Egypt 
they wanted to be brought out of slavery. There's a lot of overlap, but I just wonder what it would do for the black community if they picked a day every year. Maybe it's June 19th, when Juneteenth is. Maybe it's the day that the Emancipation Proclamation is signed. It should be a specific day, just like Passover is celebrated on the day of the Exodus from Egypt, so too I could... You have to pick a particular day. If you don't pick a date with meaning, then it has no meaning. But how incredible to talk about, yes, the hardships of slavery, to eat bitter herbs, like we eat bitter herbs, to remember our bitter tears. But then we also recline when we drink our wine, because we are now free. And that contrast of what it was and where we are now, bringing attention to where we are now. See, that's why it's so important to understand the past, because if you don't understand the past, you don't understand where you are now. Things might not be perfect now, but if they're three million times better than they were before, that's something worth celebrating. There's a lot of anti-Jew hatred in the world. We're all aware of this. It's not, it's not like it's all gone away. So there are still things that as a Jew, life is hard, but it's three million times better than being a slave. And because I can connect to my history of having been a slave, I can appreciate the freedom that I have now. And I just think that would be so incredible. And by the way, not just for the Black community. Again, on July 4th, for Americans in general, maybe there should be a Women's Day. We're in International Women's Month. Why don't we pick a day? Maybe the day that women got the vote. Then every year, women do a Seder and talk about before we couldn't vote and speak our opinions, but now we can share our opinions. Before we were stuck in the home, but now we have the choice to do whatever we want. Or immigrant communities from anywhere in the world, not racial, just immigrants who have struggled before and are now here in the U.S. celebrating. Before life was hard and now life is easier. Before I couldn't make money to support my family, now I can. Focusing on the before so you can celebrate the after, celebrate the now. That would be so Look, it definitely couldn't hurt. What positive outcomes it could have, we probably can't begin to fathom, but it definitely could not hurt. And also, I think this is really important on a personal level. That's the final thing I wanted to talk about. There's this idea on Passover that each of us should have our own exodus from our own personal Egypt, whatever that may be. For some people, it's something serious like drugs or alcohol or a bad relationship. For some people, it might be laziness or lack of motivation or shyness or lack of self-confidence. Whatever our own personal Egypt is, this is a day, this is a holiday to be liberated from it and to celebrate and to, to work through it. That could be truly incredible too. And maybe there is something similar in groups like AA, where on the one year or on the anniversary of one's being sober, you do some type of celebration. Before I had ruined all my relationships, now I have great friendships. Before I always felt sick, now I feel healthy. Always focusing on the before and the after. I can't say that's what Passover is all about. Passover is all about so many things, but this connection to our past, to our history, recognizing where we've come from and where we're going is so important for all of us on an individual level, on a family level, on a communal level, and on a national level, and whether you, dear listener, are Jewish or not Jewish, and whether you plan to celebrate Passover or not, I do hope that this year, whatever you are struggling with, you are able to make your own personal exodus from it to a land of freedom, whatever that freedom looks like for you. And when you have broken through from your personal Egypt and made it to your land of freedom, I think you will find that it is much easier to always be a little kinder than necessary.
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. And please share the podcast with anyone you think would benefit from some common sense and thoughtfulness. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at E Pluribus Unum Podcast. You can also find me on Locals at E Pluribus Unum Podcast.locals.com. The intro and end music is Chopin's Etude, Opus 10, Number 1 in C Major, known as the Waterfall Etude.